Good morning, Porch Community. How are you doing? Everybody good? Good to see you guys. If you're watching online, we just want to say a special welcome to you. We're really glad you're with us. If you're a very, if you're first time guest, we're really, really glad you're here. Um, we want to uh, serve you any way we can. We make you feel welcome. Uh, we want to make you, make this feel like home. If you don't have a church home, we're so really, really, really glad you're here. And what a day to be here. This is Grad Sunday. This is something I look forward to every year. It's bittersweet for me because, you know, we pour into students, and we always say, Allison, uh, we always say that, that there's one downside, one, to my calling, my job, all right, is saying goodbye. It's the one downside. The rest is all upside, I guarantee you. It's amazing. But today, we want to especially love on you guys, okay? Um, today, we're celebrating our high school seniors, and we just want to say thank you to our church and to our parent, these parents who helped raise these incredible young people. This is a, an amazing group. And I, I've known almost all of you since you were in middle school, right? Or some of you before, right? And so to watch you become young men and women uh, who love Jesus, love and honor Jesus with their lives, who strive to do that, um, it's pretty special to be here. All right, so we want to keep Jesus at the center of everything we do this morning. And so as we do that, um, I, I'm going to call up. I, I, we, what we do is every year we normally, I, I ask a couple of our seniors to represent the class and just to kind of be senior witnesses. I'll call them senior witnesses. Uh, just to kind of tell of the, the goodness of God and, and how um, God has maybe used you all. Maybe you get to hear for the first time how you as a church and you as an individual maybe helped shape and impact these young people, right? So I'm going to call Isaiah and Anna Catherine up, Isaiah Bone and Anna Catherine Gardner. You guys welcome them to the stage real quick. All right. All right. So I've asked them just to kind of share a, a little bit um, just from their heart and, and what God's laid on their heart and their, to reflect on their, their years with us and and uh, so anyway, I'm going to let you go first, right? That, okay. that good? You're here first, so you, you made it before him, so you're first. All right. Okay. Alrighty, well, good morning, uh, Porch Community Church. Thank you all for being here on such a special Sunday. Uh, today's the day that each one of us begin to embark on our hand-selected and personalized adventures of life. I want to start out by thanking those who have been primarily responsibly for getting me here today. I want to thank every one of my teachers who laid the foundations for my success. Every day of elementary school, I looked forward to seeing my teachers as each one of them had such a huge impact on my life. I also want to thank all of my friends who have been there for me in so many various seasons of life. The Lord has a special way of handpicking people that are strategically placed to aid and assist you through certain parts of your life. Without my friends, I would not have made it this far. I also want to thank my mom who has been one of, if not the most, influential people in my life. She's my best friend, my teacher, my rock, and most of all, the person I look up to most. She has continuously poured Jesus, love, support, confidence, and so many other positive attributes into my life. I am who I am today almost completely because of who she is. I also want to thank the Porch Community Church, and specifically Justin and Allison Crenshaw, for helping me to become the best version of myself. I think we can all agree they have been our second set of parents whenever we need them. They are always willing to be an ear to rant to, a shoulder to cry on, and there to offer the most wise and godly advice. Now, if you don't already know me, I've been a part of this church family for my entire life. 
However, when I was young, me and my family encountered the most unexpected occurrence we would have ever thought possible. Many Sundays were missed due to countless hospital visits, and slowly the church became less of a familiar and comfortable place and more of a distant idea of a memory. Nevertheless, I began to come to Sturgeon in my 10th grade year. I was hesitant but optimistic about the new experiences I would have. Justin and Allison welcomed me back with open arms and embraced me as if I had never left. This kind of love and acceptance is unmatched and only portrayed by spirit-led hearts. A few months ago, I felt a conviction from the Lord to share my testimony, which I've never told anyone before. It was something new and uncomfortable, but Justin and Allison were quick to support my decision. On February 28, 2021, I for the first time shared my story in front of all of STIR. It was intimidating, but the support and love I felt was something I didn't think existed. I was so scared of judgment that I hid away one of the greatest parts of my story for my whole life. My community has single-handedly restored me and gotten me back onto my feet. I could never say thank you enough to everyone involved in this church. Whether we've met before or not, I'm thankful for your presence and the atmosphere you've collectively assisted in creating. You know, graduation is such an interesting time in a person's life. It's filled with so many emotions, good and bad. The endless congratulations and feelings of accomplishment are exciting, but reality strikes when the goodbyes and unknowns of the next chapter start to set in. When I was thinking about what to say in this speech, I automatically thought about Romans 2. I think it goes perfectly with the whole theme of graduation. Starting in verse 1, it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. We are called as his disciples to embark on this next journey in our lives as a living sacrifice to his word. This is one of the most influential times in our lives. We'll meet new people, experience things for the first time, and have a chance to renew a fresh identity for ourselves. Jesus says, do this and show my love and ever-flowing grace through your actions. It's so easy to follow the crowd, and that's exactly what the devil wants. But people have never grown from being comfortable. This time, more than ever, we have the opportunity to do the exact opposite. Introducing ourselves to new people, finding our way in a new or less familiar place is uncomfortable, but it's the best way to experience spiritual growth as an individual. How we portray ourselves sets the standards for our future, and what we do now influences the directions of our paths. To do this, we must extend past the confinements we often place on our lives and explore not only what, we, what the world has to offer, but what we have to offer the world. This time of our lives is eye-opening and sometimes confusing. It's easy to think that all the pieces of the puzzle will fit together perfectly, but that perspective quickly changes when what we believed our future will look like turns out completely differently. Jesus handpicks each and every one of our paths in life. We are called to fulfill his purpose, specially assigned to our lives, but what we decide is best for ourselves is often not the direction the Lord wants to lead us in. The four years leading up to graduation contribute so many learning experiences that we transfer into our next chapter. I've learned countless lessons from my time at STIR and received wisdom that has spiritually matured me and prepared me for the future. For that reason, I am beyond thankful for my high school years spent at the porch. My time here is far from over, and I'm glad to say I will be able to continue my faith journey in the college ministry. So, here it is. Today's the day. Not the end, rather a change in direction. From here on out, we are taking on all of the new experiences life has to offer, open-heartedly and eagerly waiting to see where the Lord will guide us. Here's the class of 2021, and go Blazers! <laughs> Can you just, 
Can you just do all the commencement speeches? Like, that was just like, just, just put you up at all of them. They're, they just all need to sit down and let her do it. Great. I love that. Some wisdom there. I'm like, ah, man. <laughs> Sucks to have to lead that. All to you. Um, That's right. yeah. Um, yeah, I was just talking to Anna Catherine yesterday about, you know, testimonies. And it can be different every time you try to tell it or write it, depending on what perspective you're looking at it from, you know, what message you send with your story. And I guess today I kind of wanted to testify to relationships. Um, my grandfather just got remarried yesterday, and this past week my parents just had their 20th anniversary. So relationships have kind of been on my mind, especially as high school comes to a close. And I've also been thinking about my future and kind of what it's going to take to be successful. You know, when people are congratulating, congratulating you on graduating... You know, they, they always say, I wish you great success. You know, not a lot of them say, I wish you great joy. I wish you great happiness. You know, we spend so long in school learning how to be successful in the future that they don't really teach you how to be happy in school. Um, and relationships is what makes us happy. Love is what makes us happy. Um, and God is love, as the Bible says. So if I didn't know God then I couldn't know love, much less recognize it in my own life. Um, and this is true in my childhood. Uh, my parents love me, my family loves me. And they raised me in church, but as a kid, I hated church. I'm not supposed to say hate in church. Um, yeah, I, I didn't like it, mostly because I felt like I didn't have any friends. I felt very alone, and I don't, I didn't know why, for someone who's so loved, why did I feel so not that way? I distanced myself from God because I was angry. I was angry at the world, at people, and at circumstances I couldn't control. I was angry at a world that wouldn't satisfy me when all along it never could. Two years ago, I went to Boston, Massachusetts with the youth group here, and I found God. I made a silent decision while worshiping to start following Christ with my life. And it didn't stay silent for long. It became evident that my life and how I was living had changed. My friends would always joke, dude, you go away for the summer and you come back a completely different person. And it was true. Someone, someone came up to me recently and said that that year, you know, one day after school, that things were so bad in their life, they had made the decision that they were just going to go home and end it all, you know? And they said that day before they left that I invited them to church. And that helped save their life. And that's just... It's insane to me that God would use me to help save a life. And I would have never invited them to church if the people here at the church didn't show me love and compassion and make me feel comfortable and accepted here. Without this community, I wouldn't, I, that person, and many others probably wouldn't be here. 
And I guess the point is, Christ doesn't just save lives, he, he gives it. And so, just thank you to Justin and Allison, thank you to college leaders, and thank you to everyone at this church, because Christ saves lives. Thank you. kind of takes uh takes courage to do that doesn't it we can just kind of say amen and go home if y'all want i mean that's like the sermon right there all right so if you checked out i hope you didn't check out you just missed a whole load of wisdom from some very young people and they're just two of many i could have asked anybody i could have asked any of you to share and you would have had a story on how jesus has impacted your life any of you anyone in this room i could have asked that's sitting right here, I could have asked, and you have your story. Um, part of the reason we do that is to show that young people can effectively share the gospel. Right? Us older people, we say, no, wait till you're older to get serious about this Jesus stuff. That is a lie, lie, lie. Lies, all lies. Love you. Love you, love you, love y'all. We've been in this series here um, at at the church called Doxy Praxy. And we've taken um, two words and smashed them together and kind of made made a pseudo word out of it. And the main premise is this, what we believe determines how we behave. And how you behave reveals truly what you believe. What you believe determines how you behave, and, what you, and how you behave reveals what you truly believe, right? It, it, we, it passes the test, right? We can't, we can't fake it for long. Here's an example today I want to give to the graduates, but if, if you plan on checking out, don't, adult, adults. We are not, I'm not speaking to them, speaking to us, the room, me, myself included, Here's an example of one of those things we say we believe and we don't, it doesn't play itself out in our lives. You ready? When, like when we say God is with us, God is with us, God is with me, God is with me. I mean, on the surface, it's, it's self-explanatory, right? I mean, this is the one thing that we say we believe, I think, and almost always never reflects itself in the way we live. Almost Never. When I say God is with me, God's presence is with me. I am continually in God's presence. God is continually with me, for me, ordering my steps, right? Making good out of the bad, making better out of the good. That's what God does. It's who he is. And yet, we don't really live our lives that way. We really just kind of check the box of kind of, you know, having a church family, attendance-based, we're a pretty good, decent human being. We can tag Jesus' name on that, and everything's good. It's not. It's not. It's not. Sometimes we can be in real danger when we say God is with us, and our lives don't bear that out. If there's one thing that we either don't fully comprehend 
or we take for granted. It's the presence of God. The continual, fulfilling, satisfying presence of God. See, do we truly believe that God's presence is around us? God is near all the time, all day, every day, even while we sleep? Like, do we really believe that? That he's close at all times? Like, and he's constantly working things out for my good, like people have told us he, he is. I mean, and if we do believe that God is with us, why do we live our lives the majority of the time like he's still far away, like he's a far-off God? And our God is not a far-off God. So what we do is we take, you know, the Bible stories when we were younger and somehow, the, the, you know, the master of lies, the deceiver, our enemy says, you know what? God is on his throne way out there in space, and you can't get to him, but just know he's kind of watching over you. The whole God is watching over you from afar thing is not biblical. It's not. God is a near God. I'm reading a book for the third or fourth time right now called The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer, and I can't quote him, but I wish I had the quote here, but he he speaks of the closeness of God. And here's the thing about closeness. When we we say God is near, God is with us, what we do, y'all, all of us, what we do is we say, you know, God is in the room hovering. Okay, so he's sort of near. That's not specific to me, right? We don't, we don't boil it down to like the individual, like God is near me. At the very most, what we do is that God is by my side. But Tozer speaks of a closeness that's like indwelt closeness. Like God is so close that he is closer to me than I am to me. Think about this for a second. God is closer to me than I am to me. I live in my body, the body that I, and I know me, I know, I know my tendencies, I know my, the good and the bad, I know my flesh and my weaknesses, and I know my strengths and all this stuff, and God is nearer to me than I am to myself. Indwelt by the Holy Spirit, if you have accepted Christ as your Savior, if you haven't, let's talk after. It's the most important thing of this whole thing right now, here and now. And for you, if you don't know Jesus, today is the day of salvation. Let's just say that right now. Let's get that out of the way. For seniors, parents, grandparents, all of us. You may have lived your whole life going to church and thinking you're good and tagging Jesus on everything you've done. And you may be, you may come turn around and find yourself to be lost and wandering. Because God may be near, but that hasn't made its way into the fabric of who you are. This is a kind of out of, a sight, out of sight, out of mind thing. You know, God believing that God is with us and God is near. So we truly believe that God is with us, our lives will be different. They'll be different. There's no doubt about it. Seniors, how are you planning to live in your best life? What's your plan? What's your plan? And I mean that seriously. So if God is with you, how is that going to impact the way you live? How is that going to impact the next season of your life? You're standing on the edge of one season. You're waving goodbye to one, and you're stepping into something new. I'm not just talking about what school you're enrolling in. I'm not just talking about what your plan is for your major, or what you, you know, the kind of husband or wife you're looking for, career, 
kind of salary you, you, you plan on making one day? What will the pursuit of your life be? Because it runs deeper than that. Much, much deeper. How about something greater? How about a nearness to God in your life? How about trade in all the other dreams and pursuits for a pursuit of Christ? Because your good is not good enough when it comes to God. In, in our striving and also in our plans, your good will never be God's good. So we have to let go of our good to grab hold of something better. God's better, right? Jesus is better. It's a worthy pursuit. It's a worthy pursuit this morning. So to set this up, I want you to turn with me, church, to Joshua chapter 1. And I believe this is the greatest example. This is, this, this is to me, the text of all texts when it comes to a graduation Sunday. But I don't want you adults to, to, to miss this because this is for you as well as for me. It's just speaking to my heart all week. Joshua tra- chapter 1, we see Israel has been uh, wandering around in the wilderness for, for 40 years. And finally, they're, they're stepping to the edge of the piece of property that God promised them centuries before, Canaan, the promised land. And, and, yet, and, and still Israel resides on a tiny fraction of that piece of property today. Thousands and thousands of years later. It's a, it's a promise that has never failed, and it's still there today. You can go and put it on a map where God stood Joshua and the Israelites on the edge of the Jordan River, and just across that Jordan River is the border of present-day Israel. Now, it's much smaller than what God promised originally because people have taken their land away. But God will undo that eventually. God will make that right. No doubt about it. You can, you can see it on a map today where they stand on the edge on the banks of the Jordan, and they're peering over into this new land, Right? And they're sending spies in there. And Moses is dead, right? The great Moses, he's, he's just passed away. And a whole generation of unbelieving Israelites have passed away. Joshua has taken on the mantle of leadership. The Bible says that uh, God pulled his spirit from Moses and placed the same spirit onto Joshua. That same mantle of leadership, that indwelling spirit that, would, that, that, that meant that God was with him, for a specific role. And God is with you all, not in a general sense, but in a specific sense. For you to fulfill God's plan for you, not your plan and shout out to God. Okay? That's really, really important. Don't let any commencement speak, speech person, don't let anyone, any well-meaning person, that means, they mean well, but it's not complete. They mean well, but it's not complete. I've even said it. Man, I just, I wish you great success. And I, we mean it. But we want your life to be pointed towards Jesus first. And then God with us brings about results in success. God with us. God is with me. God is for me. God indwells me. God is closer to me than I am myself. Amazing. Here we are in Joshua chapter 1. Moses is dead. Joshua is now the leader of the nation of Israel. The people have wandered for 40 years. The whole generation, a whole generation of unbelievers, unbelieving Israelites have died off because of their, their, they forgot God. And God said, this is, 
You, you, Moses, as great as you are, are not above me. See, here's the thing. When we say God with us, we put the emphasis on us, don't we? We underline us. We should be underlining God. Because we are not, God is not a supporter in our plan. We are a supporter in his plan. God with us. The emphasis is on God. The eyes and the heart are fixed on God himself because God is the giver of life. Every breath I'm breathing, as I, as I breathe in and breathe out, and I'm, I'm talking real fast, and I, I'm breathing faster than normal, every breath God gave me is giving me right this second. You think about that. As you inhale and exhale, every breath is God's gift. We are frail, frail, frail people. And we are infants clinging to God as, a, as an infant would cling to his mother. That, that's how frail we are. And we are in need of every drop of who God is in every moment of every day. So for us to, you know, I'm knocking, not knocking Jeremiah 29, 11. I think it has its place. You know, for I know the plans I have for you. Again, we, we put the emphasis in the wrong place. It's the first word, the first letter in that, I. I know what I want to do. You need to get on board with what I want to do. That is Jeremiah 29, 11, y'all. This is not, you go take, on, take the world by the horns, uh, bull by the horns, you pull yourself up by the bootstraps, and you make something of your life. You know you let God make something of your life that you could never do. See, the thing is, is you all are, are super smart and super talented, and we're all smart people in here. We can do anything with our lives. In our minds, we can go and carve out a good life for us. And many of us have. Under our own power, we're capable of great things. But God wants better. Always wants better for you. What we do is we hit the ceiling of what we think we can accomplish. And what we, and we, we go, that's, that's it. That's pretty much my peak right there. And God says, I've got better. I've got better. Trust in me. God, I'm with you. I'm for you. I'm with you. Joshua chapter 1, verse, starting in verse 1, this is what it says. It says, After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I'm giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Listen to this. Wherever you set foot, you will be on land I've given you. Again, the emphasis is where? not the foot of the person stepping, making the step, it's God. You're going to be on land I gave you. Don't forget that. Don't forget that I did this. Wherever you set foot, you will be on land I have given you. It's important. Wherever you set foot on that college campus, God is ordaining that. If he's not, get it, go out and go somewhere else. Change plans. It happens all the time. It's okay. Don't freak out. Your parents might freak out. Let's pray it through. You need to be where God wants you. If you get, in, if you get somewhere next fall and you spend a semester there and you're like, God doesn't want me here, transfer. Sorry, parents. That doesn't fit in with your plans. I apologize. It's not your plan. It's not their plan. It's God's plan for them, right? Man. Wherever you set foot, will be land I've given you. From Negev, 
in the wilderness in the south of Lebanon, in the north from the Euphrates River, in the east to the Mediterranean Sea, in in the west, including all the land of the Hittites. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. Why? Because not, not because of intestinal fortitude. Why? That's what it says. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail or abandon you. Why will you prosper? Because I will make it so. If you don't lean on me, you will not. You'll have a semblance in, in the world's view of, of prosperity. But you'll be missing out on what I had planned for you. You'll be wandering around. Don't, don't let the next four or five years, students, be a time of wandering. It could certainly become that. And it gets to the heart of this passage. Verse 6, it says, Be strong and courageous, you the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to my ancestor to you their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. He's, that's, that's twice he said it now. Be careful to obey the instructions Moses gave you. This book, by the way, do not deviate from it. Turning either to the right or to the left, then you will be successful in everything you do. Then. Verse 8, study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night, so you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Here it is. Here's the template for how to live your life. Here it is. The best advice ever given in Scripture on on the template of living God's purpose out in your life. Joshua chapter 1. The first nine verses. Amazing. Study this book of instruction. Meditate on it night and day. Be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper. Only then will you prosper and and succeed in everything you do. This is my command. For the third time he says it, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Be courageous. What does that mean? On the surface, it kind of seems like it's pretty self-explanatory, right? Like, you know, come, come on now. You can do this. You can do it, right? Come on. Be courageous. Stop worrying so much. Just kind of, just kind of swallow hard and roll on. Like, we, we, in our humanness, what we do is we mean well when we say this, but we do, we, we, kind of, we kind of call out to the flesh to live our lives for us when we say, be strong, be courageous. What true courage looks like, though, friends, is God is with me. Not God is my co-pilot. It's terrible theology. Not Jesus is my homeboy. Terrible theology. Terrible. It's not true. I'm Jesus' homeboy. Like, turn that around like, man, Jesus is life. It's not just a t-shirt. Everything. Right? And so here's what we do. We just take these little phrases that mean well, and, you know, that got scriptural backing, but we just, our flesh takes over, and we go, yeah, I can do it. I can do it. God, you said I could do it, so I'm going to go do it. Instead of saying, God, you are with me. I need, I need you for every breath. I need you for every step. 
I cannot make a sound, wise decision without you. I cannot be who you want me to be without you. I cannot. Spirit, I need you. Holy Spirit, I need your indwelling. I need your wisdom. I can't do it without you. To say that, you're on the right track when you say that. Students, you're on the right track every day of your life if you say, God, I need you. I cannot do this. Even when things are going well, that's when you're going to be tempted to say you can do it on your own. Right? Most misquoted scripture of all time, Philippians 4.13. It's not about you. It's not about you. It's about God in you. Right? Sounds harsh, but it's so, so important to get this now. Adults, it's not too late to get this. But the kind of courage he's talking, God's talking about here is different. It doesn't mean to muster up your own strength. God is saying take courage because why? He says, I'm with you. Take courage because I'm with you. I'll be your sustainer. I'll be your life. I'll be your breath. I'll give you wisdom. I'll give you joy. You'll see the goodness of God all over your life. You trust in me. By the way, you know, you got to fight to be a person like this in this world. you got to fight to be a person of faith, to trust God. you got to fight. Y'all know it to be true. You walk in the halls of a high school. Y'all know how hard it is to be a, a, a Christian in a high school? Dang near impossible. It's impossible for you. It's impossible for me. That's why you got to trust God. you got to trust him every step of the way. He's got to be your breath in your life, Right? Doesn't matter what happened yesterday. You're stepping into a new season. You're on the banks of your Jordan to this morning, graduates. And, 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 and if you're not graduating or you're not, you, don't, you don't feel like you're on the banks of, 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 of the Jordan and, and stepping into a new season, you're going to real soon. Adults, if you're not standing on the edge of something new, you're going to real soon. And it's really important that you step to the edge of the banks of your Jordan River and you peer over to what God has for you and you accept it and you roll into there. You can see on a map, no lie, when Israel was released from captivity, the border of Egypt where they stepped out to the border of the promised land that God promised them is an 11-day walk. Could have gotten there in 11 days. They'd have gone straight there if they'd obeyed God, if they'd not forgotten about God. 11 days on foot. All those millions of Israelites on foot, a convoy through the wilderness, 11 days. That's all it would have taken. Instead, it became a 40-year meander because they'd forgotten about God. 40 years wander around in, a, in a 10 square miles. 40 years. Don't let the next four or five years be, be a wandering for you. Culture is going to tell you that you, it's okay to wander. Culture is going to tell you, this world is going to tell you, it's okay to check out from who God is in your life. Do not do it. You will wear the scars the rest of your life. You know people that bear the scars of the wandering in their younger years. Now, they've got a testimony. God can redeem anything, and he does. But why would you want to go through that just so God can redeem it, just so you can wear the scars? Why? It makes no sense to me. None. It's a wandering. 
Israel wandered needlessly, and they did it because they forgot that God was with them. Here's where we want to close this morning. We're going to sing, and then we're going to ask the graduates to come up. We're going to pray over them. It's interesting that when Scripture says God is with us, Jesus, one of the last things he said, the very last thing he said that we have recorded before he left earth was what? I'm with you. Don't forget, I'm with you. Matthew 28, he said, you can be sure of this. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. By the way, wherever you go, students, adults, wherever you go, God's already there. He's standing in your past. He's standing in your present and in your future. He's standing on the day of your birth right there in that moment. It's kind of weird. God is outside of our space and time. God's not, God's not limited by our space and time. He's standing at the day of your birth, and he's standing at your funeral and every point in between, and even past that when you're in heaven. Standing at the foundation of the world and standing here right now in 2021 and standing centuries into the future. And he knows it, and he sees this big picture, and he's telling you, as insignificant as we may feel, as small as we may feel, that I love you. You are worth it for me. You're worth that cross. Jesus came and died so that you could know that I'm with you every second of every day, that you'll feel that. You'll feel God's presence. You'll live by the presence of God, that you'll that you'll, you'll live by the Holy Spirit's urging and, and guidance and hope in your life. Your life needs to be a different kind of life. Whatever Jordan you're standing in, here's, here's a warning. If you try to do it your way, what was meant to be a straight path, guided and orchestrated by God, will turn into a season of wandering. And some never return from the wandering. Many, many Israelites died in that desert. God allowed them to die off because of their disobedience. Many, many people in this life never return from, from states of wandering, ever, ever. You think you can check out. We think we can check out for four years. Four years becomes 40 in a heartbeat. Four years becomes 70 years, and here you are on death's door, and you're, you're aching with regret for what God could have done. Do not be that guy, that girl. Be different. Be different. Live your life according to the will of God, to the word of God. It does not get any simpler. If this is not a part of your life, you're, you're not going to prosper the way God wants you to. You can make bank. You can, you can have a beautiful house, beautiful wife and husband and all these children and be successful in the world's eyes and be a failure at heart and be empty at heart. Let the word of Christ rule your lives. And he who began a good work, Philippians 1.6, will be faithful, faithful to complete it, right? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you so much. We're so thankful for these graduates. We're thankful for the power of your word that changes lives. Words of humans do not change anything. We're so thankful for how you move and work. We're so thankful that even in our wanderings, God, you're good. Even in, when we're completely disobedient towards you. Even when we completely forget about you, God, you're good. And this morning we come to a time of worship before we close and we say to you, God, we, we want to we refocus our lives on you. If we've been wandering, God, we don't want to wander anymore. We're coming home. We want to get to the place where you're, you're near. Your nearness affects us in every way.
We want to get to the place where we can't take one more step without making sure, God, you are not just on board with it, but you're orchestrating and directing it, God. No more of this wandering around in the wilderness. We want a straight path across the Jordan into the land you promised, into what you promised. And it might not look like we want it to. It might not look what we had in, in envisioned in our mind and what maybe our, 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 our families envisioned for us. But it's okay because, God, your will be done. Your kingdom come. We want what you want, God. And if we're not really there, we can just pray it until we do believe that. We may have to pray that prayer. God, I want what you want. Even though I'm not real sure I want that, God, I'm kind of scared. I'm going to keep praying I want what you want because you are with me. And when, when I prosper, when things go well for me, I'm going to give you credit. I'm not going to take the credit for myself. I'm going to give you credit, Almighty God. You are good. Your plan for me is good. And you hold my life in your hands. I am so frail. I can't take one breath, one step, make one sound decision without you being at the core of everything. Jesus, it's all about you. It's not about us. We are, you are not a supporter in our plan. We are a supporter in yours. So we empty ourselves today of pride, of what the world has told us we ought to be. We want to be what you want us to be. You and you alone, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Come on, let's stand and worship.